Welcome back to the Two Fish Podcast. My name is Nick. I'm Aaron. And this week in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter writes for us to be on the lookout for the second coming of Christ. That's right. We're back with another episode of the Two Fish Podcast. We've had a couple of weeks of a break here. To be honest, life is just, it just keeps coming. It, it does. <laughs> it really does. It's been... It's been a whirlwind, I think, for both of us. For me, I can say, man, I've been so stinking busy. Yeah, and I'm in the same boat. Uh, School wrapped up, so there's always a lot of activities going on there at the end of the school year, and I was serving in a ministry there for a couple weeks, and that eats up mowing time and whatnot. Sports, kids' sports. I mean, it's just been one thing after another after another. We try to always stay ahead in our episodes at least a week. But we fell behind, and we just needed to take a pause on the two fish. For those of you listening right now, we appreciate it. You're probably subscribed. It popped up that we're back, and we really appreciate that you are back listening to us uh, here at the Two Fish Podcast. Yeah, and if it didn't pop up, go hit that subscribe button, right? Because yeah. then uh, you'll know for next time if we fall behind. But we uh, during this time, going to try and adjust a couple of things so we don't do that. Yeah, we got a plan. Hopefully, we will take some action, and we'll be back ahead in our recordings, and we will be back to a weekly show. Uh, this week, like I said in the beginning, we're going to finish up. It feels like forever since we've been here, but Second Peter uh, chapter 3, and that's where we'll start today. So Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. So Peter, he's writing again, he's writing to the church, and he wants to stimulate your mind. He doesn't want you to forget, and he wants you to have that wholesome thinking and and to leave your old ways and, and walk in the way of Christ, but not not forgetting. I think this is a big point here. Not forgetting what the holy prophets spoke and commanded. Yeah, for us, this is the Old Testament. He's referring to the Old Testament. For them, that would have been what we would call the Old Testament. And he's just saying, "Hey, I know you've read this a million times, probably. I know the Pharisees and Sadducees, and we study this. And there's a reason I'm saying it again as a reminder. Remember." Constantly be remembering. And that's, I think, for us here, reading the Bible more than just once, more than just once a week. I mean, I struggle with that sometimes. You get off of it. He's saying, I'm writing you again that you should remember. And not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament. I think uh, the, like, read the Bible in a year project that, like, everybody's been doing. I think you, I feel like you get to Numbers and Levit- Leviticus <laughs> and you just. I'm out. <laughs> You, it's hard to push through those. Yeah, but I know I I did it, and I started in Luke, and I I hit those chapters, and I fell off the bus. Yeah, they're hard. Like, I've I've picked some of it back up, but I still haven't finished. Yeah, they're hard. But he's he's throwing it in here, and I I feel like Aaron and I as we've as we've done through even First Peter and Second Peter, and some of our parables, it just feels like a lot of times it's some of the same stuff being said over and over and over again. Maybe in a different way, but it's like, ah, oh, I feel like we're saying the same thing here. And well, there's a reason for that. 
There is. I think a big reason is we need to learn from our past and uh, history has a way of repeating itself. Yeah. And I think if you go back to the old Testament and you read some of that, you're going to see, still see some of that in today's world because we don't learn from it. That's true. Uh, Right there at the end of verse two, um, he says, and the commandments of the Lord and savior talking about Jesus through your apostles at the beginning of second Peter, he says, Hey, Simon, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ in first Peter, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So in this one, he's not saying from me, he's saying your apostles, meaning we can look at Paul. We can look at John. We can look at all these other apostles in the old Testament here. He's saying this, this, these letters are going to start circulating. This is, this is scripture. This is, from Jesus through us. So verse picking up on verse three, then knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last day with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that means of these, the world that then exists was plunged in with water and perished. So backing up a little bit there, in the last days, which I feel like we can say we're probably in the last days. I don't know how close we are. If you study Revelation, technically, actually, I, I actually just learned this the other day. If you study Revelation, it throws you back to Daniel. And in Daniel's time actually starts the last days. And Jesus kicks off a portion of the last days when he first comes. So the last days have been happening for a long time. Yeah. And we don't know how close we are to the end. If you look at the world around us, it seems like we got to be awfully darn close. But he's saying in those last days, scoffers will come. Where is the promise of his coming? Like we've been saying this for years. It's almost like challenging them. Yeah. It's like you, you Christians have been saying it. Even some Christians say, hey, you know what? We've been, my grandparents said they were living in the last days. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? Scoffers are going to come and they're going to question it. And I think through that, a lot of Christians are going to question themselves. Like, oh man, you know what? We have been saying, I remember my grandpa saying that. I'm going to remember, I'm going to, Jesus is going to come before I die. I can just, I just know we're in the last days. Of course, he's no longer living. Right. So, man, it does make you question it. No, it's one of those. I think we talked about that on a previous episode. Like, it's, we're, here we are 2,000 years later, and, and Peter wrote this that yeah. many years ago. Like, well, when when is it coming? Yeah. Like, you keep telling me that, but you know what? God keeps showing up for me, so one day it's coming. Are you ready if it is coming? Which we've done parables, you know, the parable of the five wise and five foolish virgins, not having enough oil. We just need to constantly be ready, no matter when it comes, but be prepared. So verse six here points back to the times of Noah when when God flooded the earth, but he has since promised that he would not do it that way again. But that does not mean that this time isn't still coming. Yeah. Because that continues to show up. It shows up in Peter. Uh, Paul speaks of it. And then you got revelations, right? So there is another time that is coming where things are going to, as everything points to, it's going to basically collide all these doubters are going to have their their coming the day of judgment will will come yeah 
in that Noah example, if you go back and read about Noah, I think it took him like 120 years to build the ark, something crazy like that. And it had never rained before. And so all these people around him mocked him. Said, why are you building a boat? There's, there's, it's never on land. It's never rained before. And he said, the world is going to flood. God told me the world is going to flood. And they didn't believe him. And then finally it did come. So here again in these last days, as us Christians are saying, hey, we're living in the last time. We don't know if it's going to be today, tomorrow, or a hundred years from now, but we're going to be ready. There's going to be scoffers saying it's not come. It probably should have already come. This is a joke. This is the things that you're claiming, the promises that you're claiming out of the scripture. It doesn't even make sense anymore. And I think that's kind of maybe a parallel of what he's trying to say. Look back at what happened to Noah. They scoffed him. They mocked him. They'll yeah. do the same thing to you at the end. That's a really good point. I really like that. Verse 10 goes on with that thought still in mind, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire in the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. He's pointing towards, and you can read in Revelation, it's not going to be a flood like it was in Noah. And it's going to come with fire this time. But actually, I think we missed verse eight, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but be, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish. So I think with the scoffers come, Hey, it should already come by now. The Lord is patient. He wants as many of us to be become children of God before his wrath comes out on the earth. And when we say, well, it's been 2000 years, well, verse eight here, the way I read this is like time is not the same for God as it is us. A day to him could be a thousand years for us or a thousand years for him could be a day for us. Like God, God is so much bigger than our own time. Yeah. We just need to be ready. Moving on to verse 11. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hasting the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So now at the bottom there, I do have a reference in my my Bible that says in verse 12, or elements instead of heavenly bodies, which that's what you said yours is, isn't it? Yeah, mine reads elements and not not heavenly bodies. So again, we're called to live holy and godly lives, verse 11, and we should be waiting and hasting the coming of the day of God because the earth and the elements and the sky, it's, it's just going to burn. It's not going to flood. It's going to burn. God's wrath is coming is what he's saying. And he and like what we talked about up above, he's patient. He's waiting. He wants so many more people to come to him before the wrath of God, the judgment for sin, before that comes and that consumes the, the earth as we know it now. Right. And maybe if you're like me at one point, you're, you're going to question, you ought to live holy and godly lives. What, what does that mean? Um, but Peter's kind of laid that out in the first couple of chapters. Uh, and then you can even go back to first Peter, like he's laid that out. You're, you are going to suffer as a Christian, but you should continue to do 
these things. You should continue to be truthful. You should continue to hold your tongue and, and do all those things. And that's the kind of life he's talking about living here as, as we're approaching this day of coming. Yeah. I like at the beginning, he says of this chapter, he says, scoffers are going to come. And near the end here, he's saying, but continue to be holy and godly. Like the scoffer is going to mock you. They're going to try to get you away. Chapter second, Peter chapter two, we talked about false prophets and teachers. They're going to pull you away. And like we said before, this is probably one of the last things that Peter wrote. He knows his days coming to an end himself. And so he's trying to get these important things. Oh, one more time. I know I've said it before, but let me say it one more time. Cause this is so important. Scoffers are going to come. People are going to pull you away. Please, please live holy and godly lives. And then just for an extra boot in the butt, I'm going to make sure you remember that scripture says God's going to destroy the earth with a fire. So just a little hellfire and brimstone there just to kind of push the final button. Right. And then verse 14, I think he's pleading a little more here. So then, dear, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, so we're not supposed to dwell on this, the, a new heaven and all these things that sound terrible are going to happen. We're supposed to look forward to them. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters. Speaking in them of these matters, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So here Peter's pointing to Paul like, you don't like the way I'm writing it? Go read Paul. Yeah. Go read the letters Paul wrote. And you're going to hear the same things. Which which I love. Mine says here in verse 16, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the arrogant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. Peter and Paul, Peter's saying, hey, Paul is writing the same things that I am writing. Live holy and godly lives. But sometimes scriptures are hard. Like I've said this before, I don't like parables. I wish Jesus would just come out and said it because it makes it so confusing sometimes. But what happens is if we're not studying and we're not learning and constantly growing, what happens is chapter two again, false teachers and prophets are going to come and they're going to twist it. It's like the devil tempting Jesus. He said a lot of truth, but then he just twists it enough that it's not scripture. I just literally saw some YouTube thing today. And there's this pastor on TikTok, quote unquote pastor, and he's talking all about gender fluidity. One of them was Jesus might have been gay and all this stuff. Like there's nowhere in the Bible that talks about that. And he's twisting scripture just enough to make it so that this community of people, whether it's this issue, this issue, or that issue, it doesn't matter. It makes them feel good. So they're going to go with that instead of what scripture says you need to live holy and godly lives. And what you're doing is sin. No matter what issue it is, if it's not this, if it's not lining up with scripture, then it's sin. And you can't twist it to make yourself feel good about the sin that you're committing, no matter what it is. Verse 17 to wrap up here. You therefore beloved, knowing this beforehand, 
Take care that you are not carried away from the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. I love this warning. This is just a good warning, I think, for all people that are trying to be Christ followers. Okay. Is not to let yourself get carried away by those that are lawless and fall. Don't let your friends drag you down the rabbit hole. Don't dive into the activities that you shouldn't be doing. Don't dive into being a drunkard because you're trying to walk with your friend that maybe is drinking too much. Don't go to the bar with him. Don't whatever. Don't go to the strip club. Don't go. Don't do these things and let yourself get carried away. I think it's such a good warning and a and a good thing to remind ourselves of. Even though you're following Christ, you can fall away. Yeah. And you can go down the wrong road, take the detour. Yeah. Peter's saying, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand. So you know right and wrong. When you become a Christian, you get the Holy Spirit. You get that conscience, that right and wrong. And you should define right and wrong by reading Scripture, reading through Scripture. You know, lots of people, like we talked about just a second ago, like to disconnect the Old Testament from the New Testament. Well, that's the Old Covenant. We don't have to worry about all that. But that Old Testament, even though it's under an old covenant and we live in a new covenant with Christ, the Old Testament and the law of the Old Testament has a lot of moral things. It's, it tells us what's right and wrong. If the only rule I live by is love Jesus and love your neighbor as yourself, I can love Aaron all day long. But if I don't know that stealing is wrong, well, I'm not hurting Aaron. I'm just taking some of his gas out of his lawnmower. I still love Aaron, but stealing gas out of Aaron's lawnmower is sin. It's wrong. It's stealing. If all I'm ever told is don't worry about the old Testament, don't worry about this stuff beforehand. Just worry about loving your neighbor. I can love Aaron all day long, but if I'm stealing from Aaron, I can still love him, but I'm stealing. I'm it's, it's that moral conscience. It's that moral law that's in the old Testament that tells us right from wrong. It's the do not covet your neighbor's wife. I can love my neighbor all day long, but if I have lustful desires at his wife, I'm still loving him, but I'm sinning then. And just by saying, love your neighbor as yourself, you can't just let go of the Old Testament. It's there for a reason. It tells us what's right and what's wrong. So I think he's saying, knowing this beforehand, take care not to get carried away. You got to know it. Yeah, I I really like that. And I think the, the other thing to the Old Testament is, my gosh, there are crazy things that go on the, in this world, right? And sometimes you can go back to the Old Testament and you can see the way God's worked in the past and the things he has done for people like Job. Take Job's walk. I mean, that guy lost everything in a blink of an eye. Everything he knew he lost in a blink of an eye. And I imagine that hurt. But he never turned on God, and God replenished what he had mm-hmm. twofold. Yeah, and I think sometimes there's things that go on in this world, and like I mentioned earlier, history has a tendency to repeat itself. Old Testament is part of that history and how God has worked and how God worked in the past, even though we're under this new covenant. Yeah, and I think one of the best verses here in this whole thing to wrap Peter's wrapping this letter up, his second letter to the people he's writing to, to the church, to him be the glory both now 
and to the day of eternity. Amen. He's writing this and he's saying more than anything else, everything they've written may be to the glory of him. And as we live these principles out, as we finish second Peter here and we move forward towards um, the next section that we're going to break down here through scripture at the end of the day, all glory should be towards the father from now to the end of eternity. So as we, again, as we wrap this up this week, man, the day of the Lord is coming and no matter what, we need to make sure that we're stable and we're living holy and godly lives. And we're watching out for those people who are going to scoff and try to pull us off that path. We'll see you next time on the two fish podcast.